Well, hey, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to our biannual podcast. We've got a, a podcast that we're doing with uh, the least, the most frustrating publication schedule because it's infrequent, um, but also hasn't given up entirely. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how that works, but um, here we are. So we are up to the Amazing Spider-Man issue 25. Uh, captured by J. Jonah Jameson. Um, this one, I gotta say, is kind of a uh, very classic. It's got like so many of the classic Amazing Spider-Man tropes and things that you want out of an Amazing Spider-Man issue. This is kind of, this might be like a perfect issue to look at if you wanted someone to get an idea of the different things that happen in in the older Spider-Man comics, you know, where it's a, an issue by issue kind of situation. There's like a villain of the week, but then there's also an ongoing, like Peter Parker's love life and so on. So, uh, you know, it opens with Peter Parker leaving, uh, leaving Liz Allen's house because, uh, he was helping her study legitimately helping her study. And, uh, but you know, she was, she's into him. And he goes to retrieve his little Spider-Man flashlight, which is a bat signal ripoff, but that's fine. And, uh, you know, uses it to spotlight some crooks so that a cop sees them and stops them from, I don't know, boosting a car or something. Whatever. Not important. Um, the, the fun part is then he goes to sell the pictures to J. Jonah Jameson, who is looking at him and he's like, big fucking deal. Picture of a bunch of bunch of guys trying to, you know, break into something or whatever, and a cop is busting them. Wow, good one. But then Peter Parker points out, hey, wait a second, though. Uh, doesn't this make Spider-Man look terrible? Because it's like, oh, Spider-Man couldn't even handle a simple bust. You know, one lone cop is doing more than Spider-Man, and JJJ is like, oh, yeah, good point. This is great. I'm going to buy this for sure. Now, Betty Brandt, who also works at the Bugle, is overhearing all this and is really pissed off. Because she's like, Spider-Man saved your ass. Now you're selling him out. That's, that's pretty fucked up. But it gets worse. Because then this inventor comes in, Smythe, who, you know, will play a big role in Spider-Man history. But uh, comes in with an invention that he's like, I've been reading about how much you dislike Spider-Man. And I brought you this invention that I'm sure can defeat him. And, you know, Jameson's like, all right, crackpot egghead, get the fuck out of here. It's pretty amazing. You have to have a pretty, imagine writing op-eds in a newspaper so often that a crazed inventor who invented a, a device to kill Spider-Man comes to you and is like, you know, I invented this and I happen to have noticed that you're real crazy about trying to fucking kill spider-man so here we are let's do it i mean you're known as the guy who hates the guy that's gotta be uh i guess i guess you get known for something i guess he's famous in a in a respect in a disrespect but you know he's like get out of here but then peter parker is like wait a minute um this might be a good way to like 
you know, screw over Jameson because obviously this thing isn't going to work and I can take pictures of their battle. So that seems like a win. Um, <laughs> so basically he convinces Jameson to like see a demo of the robot while Betty is like, what are you doing? Like, stop this. This is craziness. So, you know, the inventor has is like, I have this spider and the uh, the robot is attracted to killing spiders, which, by the way, I'm like, all right, this is like a man sized giant steel robot with like a bunch of weapons and stuff. But I'm like, if you made this a Roomba sized robot that had the ability to track and kill spiders, um, you could sell that for any amount. You could name your price. I think 90% of people in America would be like a little spider, a little robot that is like amazingly good at tracking down and killing spiders in the house. Done. Um, so he has Peter Parker hold this little, for some reason, a spider's in a crystal ball. And he's like, watch, the robot will get the, the spider. It immediately entraps Peter Parker in a bunch of steel cables and stuff. And they're like, well, that's just a glitch, obviously. But, uh, you know, you can see it works. And so then, you know, Betty's all pissed off because it's like, all right, let's turn this robot loose. Then Flash Thompson decides he's like ready to fight Peter Parker again. You know, which doesn't help that Liz Allen is like, hey, leave him alone. He's nice. He's cool. But uh, and that just makes Flash Thompson matter because that's how bullies work in stuff. Is they're just like, you know, somebody telling me not to do this just makes me want to do it more. Um, <laughs> it's the real bully spirit that I appreciate. Nobody's going to bring down Flash Thompson. So, uh, you know, they get the robot going. And uh, the robot has a very funny shape. It's got this, like, circular face, which is a screen. So you're seeing... Jameson's face in the screen, which again, it's like this person has at least invented FaceTiming. Also, much, much better way to uh, make money. But you know, when we're talking about Spider-Man villains, if we want to, if we talk about them practically, that ruins all the fun, right? I mean, is it practical to have a, a flying suit and then to dress up like a giant vulture just because you're bald? No. That is not practical. Obviously, is it practical to have electrical powers and to dress up in a suit that has your face look like kind of an electric shock? Like maybe you're a mascot for an electricity company? No. No, it's not practical. I would ask, okay, it's not practical. What's your point? So anyway, this impractical robot is sent off after Spider-Man and, uh, Flash Thompson is like, all right, meet me outside so we can fist fight. But then, you know, Peter Parker has to run away because uh, the robot is coming. So he's like, oh, I got to change into Spider-Man before the robot catches me because then everyone will know that I'm Spider-Man. So Peter Parker's running away. Flash Thompson and a, a gang of toughs. I don't know if they're a gang of toughs. It seems like they're just a bunch of kids who want to watch a fight, which is understandable. Especially this being the 60s and you're like, well, what are they going to do? It's not like they can go home and, you know, watch somebody streaming on Twitch or something or do a, eat a Tide Pod. Those aren't going to come around for another like 60 years. 
So they're like, we got to do something. <laughs> so they're they're running along, and then the robot is running after the crowd. So it's a very um, what is what is that fucking show? Um, they're having a comical daylight chase. So you know, Spider Man turns a corner and like leaps onto a roof, so he can change into his costume and whatever. And the robot gives chase. So then the uh, you know the crowd sees the robot, and this all turns into a big chase. Spider Man fights the robot, and the robot has some abilities that help it not uh, be beaten by Spider Man. Mostly, it's very greasy, <laughs> which I'm like. All right, I guess get me a give me a bag of five guys, and uh, I'll eat that, and then jog a mile, and I could beat Spider Man because I defy anything to be sticky enough to stick to my face after doing that. It's like, oh, all you needed to defeat Spider Man really was a bag of pepperoni. Ah, he's covered Pizza Man, Pizza Face. Oh, and I'm, my name is Pete, and then I'd be Pizza Face. This is perfect. This is my supervillain. I'm so greasy that I can't be uh, caught in Spider-Man's webs. You know, I can't do much else, so he can't just walk up and punch me. But, but you know, it's frustrating. It's mildly frustrating that he can't defeat me in his chosen fashion. <laughs> so, you know, this thing has a, this robot has a bunch of tentacles, and Jameson's having a delightful time uh, piloting it and chasing Spider-Man. And Betty back in the office is worried because she's like, well, this robot's never going to get tired and Spider-Man's getting worn out because this thing's chasing him. So she's like, maybe I could try and like sabotage this on my end. So first she reaches across the console and is like, oh, look, this dial is coming loose. Let me tighten it for you. And he just grabs her arm and he's like, don't touch it. I'll lose control over the robot. Stay back. You know, and she's like, damn, that didn't work. Which, I mean, that was a pretty pretty poor attempt. I, I thought what was coming for sure was like, I'll bring him a cup of coffee and then spill it all over the thing. That seems like a... If you're like his secretary and you want to defeat a machine, that seems like the way to go. But then she's trying to do some, uh, you know, classic buffoonery. She's like, all right, I'm going to spill all these papers and drop them by where this machine plugs into the wall. And then, you know, because this is, the again, the 1960s, so it's not like this has probably a battery backup or something and uh, operates on Wi-Fi. It's like, oh, it's plugged into the just the wall, which is sort of hilarious to imagine as you're like, I guess this machine is reliant on just kind of being plugged into the wall. If it was a real windy day and the power went out, we'd be boned. So while she's picking up the paper, she's going to like, unplug the machine quote unquote on accident but then Jameson is like what are you doing quit screwing around you need to get out of here and there's a very comical panel of him shoving her out the door who's just like I can't concentrate take the rest of the day off without pay of course <laughs> and so Betty's like ah crap well now I can't help him so maybe maybe I'll see if uh, Peter Parker will help she can't get him on the phone, so she goes storming over to his house, right? Uh, meanwhile, Flash Thompson and uh, decides he's also going to go to Peter's house to wait for him and to kick his ass, I guess. 
Which, this seems like a breaking of the bully code. I think, I think the bully, you challenge someone to fight at the flagpole. Maybe you catch them in the hallway or the locker room or something. But I think going to their house is like where you go into uh, crazy assault territory. <laughs> where I would think most of these other goons who are hanging around are like, uh, I don't, I don't know. Don't get me wrong, beating the shit out of somebody seems like a, a real blast. But for some reason, going to their house where they're like elderly, where he lives with his elderly aunt, and you know, they probably got to go across town and shit. That somehow that seems like a, a, a bridge too far. Um, okay, so arriving at the house is Betty, who uh, has a chilly reception with Liz which is signified by their dialogue balloons have sort of like jagged icy patterns along the bottom. And they're both like, what are you doing here? And you know, the other's like, what are you doing here? And uh, Liz has a pretty good burn because Betty's like, do you always travel in a pack like that? And she's like, why no, Miss Brant? But sometimes it's hard to get rid of all my admirers. Although I'm sure you don't have that problem. Burn. They get to Aunt May's house, go in the door. And they're kind of fighting over, you know, waiting for Peter Parker. And then who happens to be there? But uh, Mary Jane Watson, who, you know, is living next door with her aunt. And uh, her face is still obscured. This was like a secret early on in Spider-Man history was like we didn't see what Mary Jane looked like. And one of the funny sort of ongoing jokes that happened was that, you know, Spider-Man, I don't know if you could do this joke today, even though it is kind of funny. Spider-Man assumed that because it was like his elderly aunt and her friend and, you know, her friend was like, oh, you know, my, my niece is a real doll. You know, I, she should go out with your nephew or something. Now, Peter Parker is assuming like, okay, these two elderly ladies want to hook me up with somebody. She's probably, uh, you know, a chinerd, a homely chinerd. And uh, it's kind of funny as a joke because of, obviously she's not. She, like, becomes supermodel and stuff. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I guess when you say the joke, it doesn't sound that funny. But it is funny, I guess, because Peter Parker's sort of trying to avoid even meeting this person because he's like, ugh, I know how this is going. Here's what's funny about it. It's funny because it's a joke about like elderly ants being caretakers and being totally out of it and thinking like, oh, this is a perfect, perfect match. And he's obviously thinking, no, this is not. But you know what? Aunt May is doing him a fucking solid. That's a Peter Parker at dating Mary Jane is uh that's definitely hitting out of his batting above his average out of his league baseball analogy for doing better but uh you know as spider-man slash peter parker it's like all right i get that but it's just peter parker chinerd so anyway uh liz and betty see mary jane and they're like oh my god she looks like a movie star how is this possible so right now what we're witnessing is three women fighting over Peter Parker. Um, <laughs> and, you know, being intimidated by the third newest contender, I suppose. 
Um, which does kind of spoil the surprise because you don't you don't actually see what uh, Mary Jane looks like, but you know she's a babe, and it covers her face, but at the same time, like it shows her face later, and you're like, well, you know, to an extent, these drawn faces kind of all look the same. I mean, I don't I don't know that uh, you know a real Uggo. It's not like Aunt May and <laughs> Mary Jane look the same. Well, you know, Betty and Liz kind of look the same. If you, like, take their hair away, it's almost the same face. In fact, may have been the same face, just duplicated. Because, boy, does it look similar. And that would certainly save some time. If I was drawing a comic, I'd probably do shit like that. Especially in the 60s. So you're like, well, it's not like some fucking idiot's going to go back through this in the year 2000 and go through these one by one in excruciating detail and make fun of me for doing this. <laughs> these are for stupid kids. No one's ever going to know. Anyway, uh, the, the ladies all leave and then Flash Thompson's buddies are kind of like, dude, it's getting late. Let's go. This is fucking stupid. And Flash Thompson is like, all right, fine. I'll wait by myself and I'll beat the crap out of Peter Parker, even though no one is here to watch, which again, takes it to another level of like, so you're just waiting outside to beat up a guy at his house. That's fucked up. So we cut back to the action. J Jonah Jameson bot is chasing Spider-Man and he's making the quips, which includes, well, hello dare, which is, uh, Probably an unknown cultural reference at this point, but there is a comedian named Marty Allen whose catchphrase was, hello, dare. Um, <laughs> which, you know, I guess, uh, I guess maybe was a laugh riot back then. Because, you know, Spider-Man's like, oh, brother, now he's becoming a comedian. But, uh, yeah, the hilarious hello, dare. So Jameson Robot captures him in these, you know, steel tentacles that Spider-Man can't break out of. And then uh, Smythe and Jameson are there and he's like, he's captured. And then he's like, okay, now what do we do? <laughs> and Smythe is like, well, we could have the robot try and bring him back here, but he might lose his grip. So I suggest we go over there. Now he doesn't say like, we will go over there and do this. He's just like, we will go to where the robot has captured Spider-Man. Which does, again, is not really a plan. But whatever. Um, Spider-Man uses his Spidey grip to remove a panel on the robot, reprogram it, and then uh, makes his escape. Now, the underrated, it's unfortunate because there's only one panel. And it's Jameson and Smythe in this taxi, you know, saying, okay, turn right, wait. No, left. And the driver's thinking like, turn left, turn right, back, forward. These guys must be nuts. This would be an excellent comedy sequence. Because first of all, in the 60s, it's not like people had GPS, you know, and they would get in a cab and just be like, go this way, go that way. Um, but then also just to sort of, it's like, you're just taking a normal taxi and like yelling at him, go this way, now go that way, you know, and trying, you don't know where you're going. You're like, I don't know where I'm going. I'll just yell directions to you. Seems like a good good comedy setup that was wasted a little bit, unfortunately. So Jameson and Smythe arrive to discover what appears to be Spider-Man in the clutches of the robot. But Jameson removes the mask and there's no head underneath. 
And it turns out Peter Parker had made a dummy out of webbing and was controlling it with other webs, like a marionette. And uh, so add that up to another amazing spider power or, you know, option that he's got. Um, so he gets the pictures. Mary Jane leaves the house. A cop comes along and is like, hey, we got a report of a suspicious looking character hanging around outside. You know, so uh, Flash is getting hassled by the popo, but uh, not unreasonably. Actually, it's, you know, I don't know if I'm a big fan of cops just being like, we got a report of this thing happening. But uh, in this case, he's correct. This is like, uh, this kid was waiting to beat the shit out of this other kid. <laughs> we got a report of a kid wanting to beat the shit out of another kid, and we're not cool with that. So he hustles him along. And then Aunt May finds Peter Parker's spare Spider-Man costume. Which he's like, I have to dissuade her from thinking I'm Spider-Man, but I don't want to lie to her. So he tells her, look, it's never been worn. I just got it to, you know, uh, as a disguise. I was going to use it to fool some people, blah, blah, blah. I'm not Spider-Man. And she's like, I didn't think you were Spider-Man, dumbass. She's like, you know, I know you're my frail Peter Parker, so I know you're not Spider-Man. Uh, you suggesting that was probably not a good idea, which is what he should be thinking is like, maybe I shouldn't just insist that I'm not Spider-Man. Maybe that's not helping me out. Note for later. But, you know, and then she's like, well, how about you don't wear this around? Because, you know, remember in that previous issue when Flash Thompson did that stupid shit and then uh, got himself in a bunch of trouble? I would prefer you didn't do that. How about that? Can we call that a deal? And then everything ends and everything is wonderful and nothing hurt, as Kurt Vonnegut would sort of say. So there you go. That's a, that's the next issue. I know that was a lot of summary of what's going on, but I guess that was sort of the intent of this whole thing, right? Is you could just listen to this instead of reading the comics or in addition to reading the comics. I feel like, you know, coming in at 25 minutes or so it's a similar length but maybe this is more pleasurable i guess you could do this while you jog because we all know how much comic book nerds love to jog so i've i've really made an intelligent decision about how to like create a uh, a good a good business here this is a business all right well whatever it is we'll see you next time